preparation for uh, our study this morning. Uh, We are looking at these final hours in the life of Jesus as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, where in Matthew 26, as was just read for us, and as you're you're getting your place there in God's Word, I, I want you to think about how In these final days and in these final hours, Jesus has truly said some shocking things to his disciples. A couple days earlier, he told them that it was going to be this week that he was going to be delivered up, that it was going to be two days until the Passover. And so the beginning of chapter 26 laid out for us that Jesus knew exactly these events as they were going to unfold. Then Jesus, during the Passover, gathers his disciples and reconstitutes the the meaning of the Passover memorial and says, now here's what I want you to do. As you take bread, I want you to remember me and remember my body. Remember what I have done for you. Never forget this. And then takes the cup and says, also remember me that this is the blood of the new covenant, that this has been put into effect for the forgiveness of sins. And after they have taken that food and taken that drink, we see in Matthew chapter 26 and in verse 30 that Jesus and his disciples are now making their way out of Jerusalem. And you can just kind of visualize them moving east down the Kidron Valley and up the other side, up the Mount of Olives at this moment. And Jesus now has another shocking thing to tell his disciples as they're approaching the final hours before his arrest and before his crucifixion. He tells them in Matthew chapter 26, and he says there in verse 31, you will all fall away because of me this night. You just imagine dropping that one on them. You are all going to fall away because of me tonight. Just imagine how that would have hit as they're moving through the the various tree line of, of the Mount of Olives. Tonight is going to be a night and none of you are going to get through this unscathed. Your spiritual lives are on the line tonight. And I want you to notice that Jesus then even goes about proving that by quoting scripture in verse 31. He says, you're all going to fall away because of me tonight, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Here is Jesus saying, and guess what? This is all part of God's plan. God himself is going to strike the shepherd. This is not an accident. This is not outside the plan of God or the foreknowledge of God. Here is Jesus saying, God himself is at work. And this is part of his plan. And you are all going to fall away tonight because of me. Because tonight is the night when the shepherd is going to be struck. And when he's struck, he says, the sheep are going to scatter. 
In fact, the context of Zechariah that he quotes from in Zechariah 13 is fascinating because here is God himself saying, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Listen to how the prophecy continues. I will turn my hand against the little ones. God is at work and he himself is not only striking the shepherd, but he himself is scattering the sheep. And you might read that and go, well, why is God doing this? What is happening? We don't have time to do Zechariah 13 today, but the rest of that paragraph is this is a time of refining. The sheep are going to be put in the refining fire. And he describes in Zechariah, two-thirds are going to be burned up, but one-third is going to remain, and they're going to praise the Lord. This, Jesus is saying, is your intense time of testing. Tonight is the night. This is the hour, and you will all fall away because of me. You might remember that Luke's account, he makes it even stronger, saying, Satan has demanded you to sift you like wheat. This is going to be your faith moment. And what I want you to capture in what Jesus is saying in this is he's telling them you're coming into the hour of trial. You are coming into the moment where Satan is demanding to sift you like wheat. You are being placed into the refining fire and you're all going to fail. You will all fall away because of me tonight. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't leave it right there. Notice in verse 32. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Tonight is going to be a critical, catastrophic failure of your faith. But when I'm raised from the dead, I'm not leaving you behind. I'm going to lead you forward. I'm going to raise from the dead. And we're going to go forward together in Galilee. I'm going to lead the way. It's not going to be over. But my dear friends, you can imagine Jesus saying. Tonight is going to be the time of testing like you've never experienced. Tonight is the depths of difficulty like you've never had with me these three years. Tonight is going to be your most challenging faith moment. And what Jesus does in this scene, in this next paragraph is absolutely instructful on how he is not only teaching, but exemplifying what his disciples should be doing during this intense time of testing of their faith. I want you to notice what Jesus does in verse 36. In verse 36, well, actually, before we get to that, I want you to back up. We can't get, we got to see their response. Back in verse 33, Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. I I love this. You have to love this. 
You know, Peter doesn't say, yeah, you're right. You know, I've been really struggling with my faith lately and tonight's going to be a really bad night. You're right. No, Peter says, don't you understand how in I am with you? Uh, I would never do something like that. Even if everybody else fails, I'm not going to fail. I'm going to stay with you. I'm with you through thick and thin. And you know that Peter's not lying. He believes that. He believes it doesn't matter what's going to come. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to be with you. There's no walking away. I'm going to be with you thick and thin. And I hope that you will think about when, when, with that picture how adamant he is for Jesus to turn around in verse 34 and say, Truly I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter says, I'm not failing tonight. Jesus says, you think that, but you have no idea what you're about to do. You're going to actually do it three times tonight. Not even just once, three times before we get to morning. Now, remember, this is not like days ahead, like three times over the next week, over the next month. Three times in probably what is about a two to four hour window. We're in the middle of the night now. And he's saying before the sun comes up. Three times. And Peter said to him in verse 35. Even if I must die with you. I will not deny you. And please read the end of that verse. The other ten that are there. All say the exact same thing. They're not like, you know, Peter, that's pretty bold of you. We should listen to Jesus. We're not ever going to deny you. There's no way we're failing tonight. We will not fall. And I think it is just important to think about. I think this is our human nature that we think. We're spiritual. We're strong. We're with God. We're committed. We're devoted. We love him. There's no way that we would ever collapse under the weight of a trial. There's no way that we would ever deny him. There's no way that we would ever fail him. There's no way that we could ever put us in a circumstance. And when it came down to it, we would walk away from God rather than staying with him and proclaiming his glory. There's no way. That's what they're saying. And I suppose if I were to take a poll, we would all be like, that's right. We're not walking away either. We love him. We're giving our lives. We're, we're in it to the death. We're not denying him. And I just find it so fascinating to read this. And hear Jesus tell them. You're going to fail and they're not believing him. They're not believing him. That they are adamant. First, Jesus goes, you're going to fail. No, 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 no. And Peter, maybe them, not me. We've never been like that, right? You know, everybody else in the room might fall down, but I'm not falling down. Everybody else might be weak in faith, but not me. I'm in. Yeah, they all might fall under the weight, but... Bring it on. I'm with him. And then so Jesus just kind of tightens that up a little bit more. 
three times tonight denial. No way. I would rather die than ever say a denial against my Lord. No way. They all said likewise. And sometimes we think that we're strong like that. We're spiritually independent. We're spiritually strong. We don't need anybody. You know, we don't gather here for us. I'm kind of here for you, but I'm really, you know, crushing it spiritually. You know, I, I'm, you know, I got this. If I had to walk with God all by myself, I'd nail it. No problem. Don't need anybody. And I want you to remind, be reminded how the Apostle Paul threw, threw this in after describing the failure of Israel in the wilderness. And he kind of makes a point, you know, the, the moment you think you're doing all right, you better look out. The moment the words are, you know, they might all fail, but not me. Look out. The moment you say, I would never look out. And it's so easy to look at others and go, oh, look what they did. I would never watch out. Be careful. You better look around. Satan likes those opportunities. And he's lining one up right now for these disciples in these final hours. These 11 are about to be put through it. So this is the important setting that brings us to the moment of Jesus teaching and exemplifying what needs to happen. Verse, verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples... Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face. And prayed. I want to just stop there a second and help us get a sense here that Jesus knows that this is the most intense moment right here. This is the intensity of the trial, this is the intensity of the temptation. Jesus knows in the midst of this that the answer that needs to be given, the solution to the situation, the response that is needed in the time of intense trial and testing is prayer. This is where Jesus goes. Jesus says, you all are about to fall tonight's the night. You can imagine in his mind, he knows Judas already has the whole system turning right now. The betrayal has already happened. And the crowd is about to come. And he knows the thing that he needs to do right now is pray. The necessary response that Jesus understands is prayer. He knows that's what he needs to do. And friends, I want you to feel the weight 
of where Jesus is at in this, please appreciate verse 37 and verse 38. Jesus does not say, guys, you know, you all need to pray right now because it's going to be really hard for you. But I'm going to be fine because, you know, I'm spiritually strong and this is going to be no problem. And I'm going to cruise right through this. My soul is very troubled. My soul is sorrowful even to death. That we are allowed to see the humanity of Jesus right here. And to appreciate that he is not unfazed by what is about to happen. He is not walking into this as an emotional Superman that we cannot contact with whatsoever. And we look at him and go, I don't understand how he did that. No, he is feeling the weight of the moment. He is troubled and sorrowful. And that's why he's going to God in prayer. He does not look like he's just going to skate through this. This is a time of trial and testing and temptation for him as well. He's distressed and he's in anguish and he says that his sorrow is overwhelming at this point. And with his sorrow that is overwhelming, he knows he needs his father. He knows that he needs to turn to the father in the time of anguish. And he also knows that he needs his disciples to watch and pray. He needs them to be alert and be ready and be praying, praying for him, praying for them. Everybody needs to be praying in this moment. This is it. Satan is ready to demand right now. And that, I think, helps us appreciate the words of what Jesus says here. Father, if it be possible Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Do you see Jesus experiencing the conflict of the flesh and the spirit here? The flesh doesn't want any part of what's coming. You know how that is. The flesh is keenly aware of what's about to happen And there is nothing pleasant in looking forward to the events that are about to unfold over these next few hours. You can only imagine the desire of the flesh that says, I don't want to be uncomfortable. We all feel that. We don't want to be uncomfortable. We certainly don't want to sign up for pain. How many of you avoid the dentist just because of that? You don't want to go to the dentist because you know this isn't going to be any fun whatsoever. That's what the flesh screams. Your mind goes, we want to keep our teeth till we're dead. But the flesh goes, "Ah, you don't want pain. Our flesh yells at us when it comes to pain. Don't do it. Get out of there. Avoid. Let this cup pass from me. But notice the prayer is really not about him. The prayer is about his father. It's not about my will. It's about God's will. Now, here's what is 
Fascinating, but not surprising. In verse 40, Jesus came to his disciples and found them sleeping. It's not 7 p.m. It's the middle of the night. It's been a long day. So don't look at them and go, what's the matter with you? Can't you guys stay up late? Aren't you a night owl like me? We're in the middle of the night now. And Jesus has gone off by himself to pray. We don't know what else he said. We don't know how long he's been gone. But he comes back and they are asleep. And I want you to see what you have there. Jesus in verse 40 says, You could not watch with me one hour. Watch and pray that you may not enter in temptation. And notice he is now stating the very issue at stake. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh says one thing and the mind says something else. And he says, guys, you can just imagine this this whole scene. I just told you, you are all going to catastrophically fail. I just told you that tonight's the night. You don't need to be sleeping. You need to be watching and praying. Yes, I know the flesh is screaming sleep. But you need to be awake. And you need to be praying right now. And friends, I think this is such an important point that is being made to us right now. It is easy to fail at what we need the most because we listen to the flesh and not the spirit. We can be so mentally prepared. What the disciples say, we will not deny you. We will not fail. We will not give in. We will not fall away. They are spiritually engaged. And what's the flesh saying to do? Sure tired. Feeling sleepy right now. Little rest. We don't know when Jesus will be back. Let's take a little nap. Oh, friends, do not give in to the flesh. Do not give in to the tiredness. Pray and watch out for your souls is what Jesus tells them. I know you're tired, but right now is not the time to sleep. And I want you to notice that we see next that then for a second time, verse 42, Jesus goes away and prays and he prays similar words. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. This is, again, key instruction for the hour of trial, the time of testing. The needed words for prayer in difficulty is your will be done. The flesh does not want to go into this moment, but I understand that God's will must be done. It is God who will strike the sheep. It is God who will strike the shepherd and it is God who will scatter the sheep. And here is this moment now of getting ready for this. It's not about me. I will accept the path and I will not get off this path. Please realize here, Jesus has all kinds of options right now. He could say, boys, let's go to Bethany and go stay with Lazarus, Mary and Martha. We can get off this hill right now. 
I know they're coming. We need to go the other direction. Let's go. Let's go hide out in somebody else's house. We don't need to stay here. He has every option before him right now. He has non-miraculous options and he has miraculous options. He can do anything at this moment to make this not happen. He doesn't have to stay here and wait for his betrayer to come. And the flesh is probably screaming that. Let's go. Don't do this. This is going to be awful. Not my will. Your will needs to be done right now. It's not about me listening to the flesh right now. I need to listen to the will of God. I need to do your will. Because the flesh is telling me otherwise. The flesh is telling me to do something different. And Jesus is exemplifying how you handle that. Praying again. Verse 43, he comes back and finds them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. (laughs) That's us, right? You can imagine after the first time, like, all right, guys, sit up, sit up, sit up. You know, all right, we're going to watch. We're going to pray. We're going to, all right. And there they go again. (laughs) Verse 44, according to Matthew's account, he doesn't even say anything this time. Leaving them again, he went away and prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. And then he came to his disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I do want you to see that we haven't even gotten to the intense point yet. And the disciples have already failed three times. Watch and pray. Comes back sleeping. Wake up. Goes and prays. Comes back still sleeping. Goes and prays, comes back, sleeping again. Already laying the groundwork that this failure is coming. Already three times the disciples could not stay awake, could not stay alert, could not stay praying. And I hope that you will notice that the disciples are not sinning right here, right? Not like he comes back and, oh, I can't believe you guys, you know, Caught you doing these terrible sins. He finds them sleeping. He just finds them unprepared. That just moments earlier, Jesus told them, you are going to experience spiritual catastrophe. And they couldn't stay awake and pray. They're sleeping. Jesus has told them, this is the hour, this is the moment, this is the fail, this is when it's all going to come down. And rather than preparing themselves, they're sleeping. And so Jesus ends it by saying, sleep later on. Pray now, because the betrayer is coming. For our lesson this morning, I just want to look at four pictures of what Jesus has given us here. Four points. As a path of victory and overcoming 
in severe temptation and in extreme trial. Number one, I believe Jesus teaches us to admit, to acknowledge that the flesh is weak, even though the spirit is strong. We have to admit and be ready to know that the flesh is going to betray you. The flesh is going to let you down. The flesh has the tendency to actively fight against what you spiritually know you should be doing. And it can be from the things that are not immoral at all, like this scene. You need to pray right now. They're sleeping. They're not sinning. They're just sleeping. But they're not ready. Because the flesh is winning right now. The flesh is winning the battle. I am sure the mind in them was saying, Jesus said, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. And there they go. Because the flesh will betray us. For the disciples, sleep was the obstacle. For Jesus, anguish was the obstacle. And friends, Satan is going to challenge our, our, our flesh. He's going to challenge our flesh to such an extent that he's going to try to use that to compel a change of the spirit. You know what you should be doing, but he's going to push on the flesh so hard so that the flesh overrides the spirit. That's what he's doing. I don't think for most of us the temptation is, oh, he just tricked me. I thought that sin was right. <laughs> you, you knew. What happened? He pushed so hard on the flesh that it overrode what we knew we ought to do or ought not to do. And that's what's happening here. Friends, how often do we let the power of the flesh change the determination of our spirit? I bet if we're honest, we'd say frequently. This is the issue. And we have to realize that we allow that to happen. We must admit that the problem is of the flesh if we are going to experience any kind of spiritual victory. If we don't, we're just going to keep blind, being blindsided. We're going to... Be mentally dedicated. All right, I'm going to do better today. And then you're going to get blindsided by the flesh and go, why did that happen? Here's what's happening. Satan is pushing on your flesh so hard that it wins over the mind. You're saying this morning at 1130, I am going to do better. And then 1145 comes, <laughs> right? And the flesh pushes back and we cave in. And Jesus is warning that right here. The flesh is weak, even though the spirit is willing. And friends, we're being told that we need the spirit to overthrow the weakness of the flesh. When the flesh rises up and starts pushing, you've got to use your mind and your spirit to fight back and say no. Maybe I should have made that the whole sermon right there. I won't. I got more points. But I mean, we should, we should really think about. It. 
how often we let the flesh win. And it doesn't even have to be immoral things. Why didn't I pray? I was tired. Why didn't we gather with one another? It's been a long week. Why didn't we read our Bible? Well, there's a neat TV show. It's not immoral. It's just the flesh winning. It's just the flesh overpowering the spirit. And Jesus is saying, that's going to happen. Be ready to fight back. Second, Jesus shows us that the path to glory is the path of difficulty. Friends, I don't like this point at all. (laughs) I want this to say the path to glory is the path of comfort and ease and simplicity. But Jesus is showing us something so important here. One of the key areas where the spirit needs to overthrow the flesh is to understand that the path to eternal glory is always to go through the difficulty and the hardship. Why would God strike the shepherd so that the sheep would be scattered? Why does that need to happen? And the answer that God always gives in every place you turn in the scriptures is because faith has to be tested. Faith has to be refined. Faith has to be challenged to see if it's pure or not, to see if it's refined or not, to see if it's true or not. And I want you to see that Jesus is leading the way. He comes into this moment. He comes to the Mount of Olives. He is praying by himself. And here's the question. Is there another path to glory besides the cross? There is no circumventing the path of difficulty. There is no sidestepping the hard road that God is going to put us on. There's no passing the cup. If we live our lives as Christians trying to find the path of ease and avoiding faith difficulties and hardships, you will be on the path of destruction. Jesus said that. It's a wide road to destruction. It's easy. You just cruise control on that thing all day. No problem. The path to life is narrow and hard. That is going to be God himself who's going to put you in the time of testing. He's going to put you in the hardship. And you're going to be tempted by the flesh to say, let's circumvent that. The path to glory can't be this way. It can't be this hard. It can't be through suffering. It can't be through loss and hardship and pain. That can't be it. This is what Jesus is doing for us right here. Jesus knows this is the plan. Jesus knows this is the way. And he's trying to show us something here. Can the cup pass? No. And that's God's answer to us. The cup can't pass. The path to glory has to go through the difficulty. This is the only way to glory. The path to victory is always through the fiery trials. There's no way to avoid it. Faith is going to be tested. Don't let the testing of faith make you think something's wrong. A lot of Christians go, man, life is hard. Things are bad. I must be doing something wrong. No, you might be just doing something absolutely right. (laughs) 
God is putting you in the testing time. He's making you walk through the difficulty. It is time to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Number three. Jesus shows us that prayer is the necessary key to victory. Jesus doesn't leave us to figure this out. You know, good luck, disciples. This is going to be your worst moment. You're all going to fall because of me. Figure it out. No. Watch and pray. Get ready. Be alert. Be sober minded. Watch your back and pray. That is the consistent New Testament instruction. Get your eyes open and look out because you've got a lion coming after you and he is trying to eat you alive. And the last thing you need to do on a roaring lion is sleep. Eyes open, be awake, use prayer as the tool. If God in the flesh showed us that the response to a trial and a temptation is prayer, Obviously, we all need to be signing up for that prayer course. Prayer is clearly the answer. In his moment, when he is pushed to the brink and he says, my soul is troubled and I am in anguish, even to the point of death, then what's the one thing to do? Right. And I want you to notice what Jesus does. He prays. And when he's done, he prays again. And when he's done, he prays again. He just keeps praying. He checks on his disciples. You guys need to be praying too. You guys are in much trouble. I'm going to go back and pray. Come back. Guys, you need to be praying. I'm going to go pray again. Even Jesus didn't think one was enough that night. Who knows the amount of time he's spending right now? In prayer to his father, because he's showing us what needs to happen. Pray now. And when you're done, pray again. And when you're done, pray again. Friends, when Satan is after you and you know that he's after you and you know he's trying to sift you like we go on the offensive and pray. It is time to stand up and go on the fight and fight back with prayer. Get into prayer and get into it often all day while it's going on. Don't let the flesh win. Support the spirit. Pray and pray and pray and pray and pray some more. Which leads us to number four. Then the attitude necessary for victory is clear that Jesus shows. That song we sang before the Lord's Supper. Night with Evan Pinion. And what a powerful ending. Let thy will be done. Is the attitude for victory in trial. God's will, not mine. God's way, not mine. God's wisdom, not mine. And friends, it is so easy to say, not my will, but your will. It's another thing to do it. Because the flesh fights back. The flesh doesn't like that. And you need to rule over that flesh. 
and tell it that we're going to follow the will of God and not it. We will choose to go forward with God, even in the face of extreme suffering and, and even death. Friends, there is nobody in the scriptures who had to face death. And they were like, yeah, no problem. The flesh is screaming. You don't think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the flesh wasn't screaming? Fiery furnace? No, 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 no. No, no, no. What did the Spirit say? Not my will. God's got to be done. And they did not let the flesh overcome the Spirit. Because the attitude was to seek God's will, not their own. I want you to listen to how the writer of Hebrews concludes this idea, and then we'll wrap it up this morning. Hebrews 5, verse 7, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. Let's stop there. It didn't really say that here, did that? Prayers and supplications with tears and loud cries to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because. Now, unless you know this verse really well, what do you think the rest of that would have said? He was heard because he was the son of God. That's why God listened to him. He was special. He was different. He was unique. Of course, God listened to him. That's why God heard him, right? He was heard because he said, not my will, but God's be done. And friends, even though he was a son, he learned obedience by what he suffered. What was point number two? Path to glory. It's the path of suffering. He was heard because of his reverence. Because of his attitude, because of his devotion, because he was seeking God's will and not his own. So here's our big deal this morning. Seeking God's will is the only way for spiritual victory. We will fail every single time if we're putting our will into the calculation. Because the flesh will win. If you give your flesh a voice, it's going to push back. What you are seeing in Jesus is the attitude. God's will, not mine. How am I going to get there? Through prayer and prayer and prayer some more. Teaching the flesh that it is the path of suffering that is the path to glory, not the path of ease. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But I have to have a spirit that tells the flesh no. We live in a world that says, don't ever do that. Always tell your flesh yes. That's why we're in a mess. <laughs> That's why the world is the way that it is. Everybody just goes, yeah, I'll do whatever I want to do. Let the flesh say yes. No. The path to victory and the path to glory is saying no to the flesh and saying yes to the will of God. Let's end where we begin. Jesus told his disciples they would fail. But he would still lead them after their failure. The flesh is weak, but it's not too late to come back to God. 
All of us could sign our names to this text and go, we have allowed the flesh to be weak. And Jesus knew the flesh would be weak. That's why he came. And God's asking us to learn from those failures and seek the will of God, not my will. Follow him. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for how often we have said yes to the flesh, even though our spirit knowingly understood what your will was. Forgive us for how often we cave in to fleshly desires, that we cave in to the fleshly will, things that are immoral and things that are even not immoral. Lord, so often we just want to be comfortable. We don't want suffering. We don't want resistance. We don't want pain. And so we don't say and don't do the things that we ought to do. God, forgive us. God, I pray that you would strengthen our spirits this very morning. Give us the strength to be able to fight the flesh back and help us to see that it is an attitude that we need, that we need your will to be done in our lives and that that is the only path to victory. Forgive us for when we've been seeking our own will and following our own ways and our own wisdom. Forgive us, Lord, and strengthen us. And thank you, Lord, for your promise that you would tell us that even after your disciples fail, you will still lead the way, that you're still there for us. And so help us to have repentant hearts this very day to to turn away from the flesh and turn away from our failures and to seek you with all of our heart. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace. Thank you for opening our eyes and seeing that we need more prayer in our lives and that we need you more than ever before and help us to be strong in you and to say no to the flesh. In Jesus' name. Amen. Singing invitation song, we invite you to come to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning before it's too late. Turn away from your sin. Follow him faithfully with all of your heart. Say no to the flesh and take the path of victory that God has laid before you. It will not be an easy path, but it is a path to glory. And God will take you there if you'll walk with him faithfully. Can we help you do that today to turn away and follow him? Just let us know how we can help you. Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?